0: The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers. And do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of Webmaster Radio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
1: Wanna become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Radio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. You'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up, a little ditty by John, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Karolevsky. He's the author of a little newsflash that came up today on my Yahoo account saying that Kimberly Clark is developing a mom-based process with focus on trip types and in-store behavior. Now, we know for marketers out there, you know how challenging it is, those last few feet in store to capture women's attention. And we can be wooed those last few feet to make a decision that might not be the initial decision that we were making when we went into that store. Well, Kimberly Clark... Is, is trying to change that as well. Uh, Kimberly Clark, you may not know them by their company name, but you certainly know their products, their brands, Kleenex, Huggies, and Kotex, and they're really trying to focus in on understanding the insights before making any kind of, of shelving or assortment recommendations. They Again, this is the importance of those last few feet within retail. Joe Borland is the Director of Category Management North America, and he says that that, that Kimberly Clark is going through a culture change right now, and they have to. They said that they can no longer afford not to be informed by insights and strategy. It's certainly not around mom. And of course they're very, very focused on mom. And in fact they're calling it mom-based category management. They're targeting the demographic segment and trying to understand understand the types of trips mom makes to stores, what motivates her, why she purchases what she purchases and what she does when she's in store. All this is really, really critical. I know we talk a lot on this program about purse profiles, and understanding our demographic. And I do a pretty superficial look at that each and every week. But this type of in-depth, uh, peeling back the onion, I like to call it on the consumer, is critical because we know, again, mom's behaviors can change once they get in store. So I thought that was pretty darn interesting. We know that moms are getting comfortable with Target, Costco, Walmart, and Sam's Clubs, according to our author, John Kurlovsky. And if you're a mom, you know that you like to go there too. Um, And then there's also you know, new moms. New moms do change the way they shop once they have that baby. And that means they shop differently at all kinds of retailers, big box, grocery store. And so it's understanding them a little bit better too. And especially for Kimberly Clark, which does focus a lot of attention on new moms, right? With Huggies, they need to understand that as well. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. You might want to uh, see what Kimberly Clark is doing in store over in next year, just to see what what they're doing. That's kind of captivating. So, Target Trend Setter is one of those moms in store. Uh, she's our first profile today. She is the mom out there. More than nine million of them making more than ninety thousand dollars a year, median age is forty. Uh, A third of them college grads, a quarter of them staying at home as a happy homemaker. She considers herself hopeful and entrepreneurial. She puts her family first. She does constantly shop. She loves to shop even if she doesn't buy anything. Um, She's out there switching up brands for variety and um, novelty. She's seeking out deals. She's always looking at deals. And we know that once you get in store, a lot of times, you know, those little coupon tearaways that woman, this Target trendsetter, absolutely lured by bargains and shopping in the aisle. Uh, children, children influence her. And, you know, when you bring bringing that little Johnny along on that shopping trip, they're the ones that say, Mommy, I want to try this. Well, guess what? Target trendsetter absolutely knows that, and she's impacted by that. Uh, money management, of course, is still a struggle. I think it's a struggle for most everyone these days. She's shopping at Land's End, Old Navy, Gap, Nine West, Toys R Us, and Michael's. Uh, she's driving a Volkswagen, a Honda, a GMC, Dodge, a Chrysler. And if you're a marketer, how do you connect with our target trendsetter? Well, of course, she's reading parenting magazines like Family Fun, Parenting, Parents, uh, Redbook, First for Women, House Beautiful, House Beautiful. She's online a lot. Uh, she's looking at parenting websites, also uh, entertainment websites like Disney. Nickelodeon, she's on her network at iVillage. She's getting her news from CBS and MSNBC.com and, of course, CoolSavings.com. She's on there as well. And cable is big with her, Disney, Nick, ABC Family, HGTV, E, Lifetime, and Food Network. Well, my guest for this program certainly knows mom and knows her very, very well. Debbie Bookstaber is the founder and the mind behind a very popular site called Mamanista. She's a blogger at heart and has even launched her own Bloganthropy, a blog committed to doing good and charitable charitable organizations. We're going to hear from Debbie both about Mamanista, Bloganthropy, and really where blogging in general is going over the next 12 to 18 months. More when per Strings returns in just a moment. Thanks.
1: Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Her strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers.
0: Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches, ClickBank provides countless ways for any affiliate to make money.
2: Think about it. You work so hard with your existing clients. How much time do you have every day to recruit more clients, expand your business, and add more value to your service? Let WebmasterRadio.fm do the work for you. We're the premier business-to-business on-air and on-demand podcast network with shows like SEO Rockstars, SEO 101, and SEM Synergy. We can tailor an ad campaign that includes 30 seconds every hour and a 30-minute special every month plus the banner ads and links you need to reach our built-in audience and our legions of loyal listeners and podcasters. What you charge in Hours for Service is all it takes to get started on the fast lane to growing your business. Contact sales at webmasterradio.fm for consultation today.
3: Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is admedia.com ad media delivers an incredible lineup of specialized xml feeds for local social and search plus the advertising arsenal of ppc sem contextual display and more ad media gives your campaign real visibility from emailers to domain redirects ad media tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. Rock the world with LinkedIn. Mondays at
0: 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
1: Purse Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Welcome
2: back to Purse Strings. Joining me today is Debbie Brooks-Staber, founder of Mamanista and Bloganthropy.com. Debbie, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on the show. You know, Mamanista, great, great, great bloganthropy. We're going to talk about... Bloganthropy in great detail later on in the show, but before we get into either of those, I want to talk about blogging in general. Clearly, it's just grown exponentially over the years, but, but you actually started Nista back in 2006 when blogging was still, I mean, granted, it's only been four years, but it was still kind of coming in on its own. What prompted you to, to begin Mamanista?
4: Well actually it's, it's uh, a good friend of mine from Yale, Candace Lindemann had a daughter with a congenital heart defect who thankfully is now a happy and healthy four year old and uh, you know, she at the time was living down in Texas. her husband was deployed in Iraq, um, serving in the army and uh, you know I actually thought it would be kind of a great distraction for for us. She has uh, been a professional educator and a writer for years, and my background has always been online marketing and affiliate marketing and search engine marketing. So I said well, if we have the perfect uh, combination of skills to create a blog you know we 'll use her writing and her interest in education and my experience in online marketing and We just kind of got started from there and At the time, there was really no rules for mom bloggers. It was not yet this big um, thing that companies were paying attention to, so we just started off initially writing about what it is that we personally liked. Um, I wound up blogging my entire first pregnancy on that site, so when we first started, I was not even yet a mom. She was a mom, and I was talking about things that she liked, and I was more talking about things I love to give as gifts or products for women, and it really just grew from there. Um, over time, companies started noticing and uh, contacting us and asking us to review their products, and it was, you know, it was really. There were no rules at the time. There was no FTC involvement. There was uh, no knowledge of, you know, how do you even work with these companies when they ask you to do a review? See, it, at the time, it was kind of a wild west, and we were figuring out um, as we went. So we did have a good first mover advantage, and it helped us uh, build a strong, a strong blog and a strong following, and it's, it's kind of continued to this day.
2: Well, it's amazing. That's a remarkable story, and I think a lot of bloggers do kind of start that way, though, Debbie. Don't you? They start kind of from a personal perspective they have a personal reason for doing it and i think some of the the more successful blogs are successful because they're so personal don't you well, and we don't really talk
4: a lot about our, 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 you know, our own personal lives on there, but we put in a lot of our, our own thought and um, attention into the reviews. So it was, it was definitely kind of informed from our perspective as parents, as consumers, and in her case as an educator. Um, in my case, I serve on a school board, and you know I'm really involved in a lot of charity work. And that kind of informed it. We did not start the blog to make money. It actually is probably one of the more financially successful mom blogs out there, but that wasn't why we started I now these days see a lot of blogs that have started purely for the monetization and they'll come onto the forums for bloggers and they'll say, I just started this blog and my goal is to make $500 a month and how do I do this? And it's less about the passion that they're bringing to the field and more about how can I make kind of money from it. Um, on the other side, when I work with brands, because my background is in you know online marketing, we get these solicitations from bloggers asking for products <laughs> that are uh, sometimes uh, not very subtle. <laughs> it will be like, send me your entire product line and every single doll that you guys make. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah. there There's kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly with that whole the whole blogging industry, I think. And I am curious how you've seen blogging change in the four years that you've been involved in blogging. Because we, we just talked about it a little bit. But have you seen some other pretty dr- dramatic changes?
4: Um, well, for one thing, the growth of BlogHer. When BlogHer started, it was more of a niche conference. And this year, there was... I mean, just thousands and thousands of bloggers descended in New York for the BlogHer conference. Um, companies have started paying attention. You're seeing a lot more of the Fortune 500s investing money in blogger outreach, creating specific blogger outreach teams. Um, really viewing a conference such as BlogHer as it, you cannot miss this conference. It's it's as essential as any other you know major consumer show out there. Um, so you've you've seen a lot of that focus change. You've also seen the bloggers become a little bit more savvy. In the past you could say, oh, I'm going to put your badge on my website here, um, and I expect you to do X, Y, and Z and basically be an unpaid employee. And now the companies are getting savvier and they're actually hiring bloggers in many cases to be their consultants on campaigns, to be their paid spokes, uh, spokespeople um, on that level. You've also seen a lot of cleanup where there's less um, sponsored reviews, where bloggers are disclosing that they get something for free, um, and so or, you know, where people are trying in general to be a little bit more ethical.
2: Well, and I think that the whole ethics of blogging, by the way, that's definitely undergone quite a bit of change in the last one to two years, hasn't it, with the FCC and the whole scrutiny over uh, how you get product and what you report on. Do you think the FCC, those rules and regs and all of that had a dramatic impact, or do you think it was just kind of a blip on the radar screen?
4: The regulations are are a very interesting topic, because many bloggers were were upset when they first came out, because they thought it was regulating free speech. Um, I do think that they were Um, while I don't agree 100% with the politics behind them, I do think that they were important in that there were some companies out there that had some unethical practices. For example, if you're paying a blogger money to write a review in which she claims that a wrinkle cream took away all of her wrinkles, and she's in a position of trust to her readers, um, it's important that the readers know, one, that that she was actually paid to write that, and and two, that that there should be some kind of basis of the truth, that you shouldn't say that a, a product is... Uh, you know, truly works and is a magnificent thing. Um, if it's not, you know, same thing with like weight loss products and other things, where people were taking the loopholes in the, the blogging world in order to maybe exploit some trust. And uh, I think there's a presumption sometimes when you read a blogger that it's not entirely a paid advertisement, that it is that person's actual testimonial or review. Um, I also think it's important we've always disclosed to our readers um, that uh, you know a product that we received a sample. I think that's important because the readers are not so stupid as to think that we would get thousands of dollars of toys a year and actually purchase them ourselves or that I would purchase 10 car seats a year. So it is important to disclose um, to your readers and then to really have what you're actually saying be the truth or uh, the truth as far as, you know, as far as you are concerned. I might think that one toy is the best toy in the world, um, but that's my personal opinion. But I'm not going to claim that the toy does something that it doesn't actually do. Um, and so that's, I think, an important thing for bloggers, to actually try to be ethical and to respect their readers. And in that sense, some of the regulations did help clean up the uh, the industry and, and provide more of a focus on blogger ethics. Um, I think it also provided more of a focus where if you're doing a paid review, that uh, you're disclosing that money uh, in order to post on your site uh, something that they've written word for word. That's important that people know that. I've never personally done paid reviews, but... Um, I think that if you do do a paid review, it should be disclosed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to do that. Otherwise, it it will kind of taint not only your point of view and your opinion, but really it starts to taint the industry. Uh, before we take a break, I, I I don't think I know the answer to this question. Do you blog full-time? Is that I do your full-time not. I actually job?
4: have a full-time job. <laughs> so <laughs> My blog, like many mom bloggers, and uh, is, is kind of a hobby on the side. And uh, you know it's a, it's a financially successful hobby. I actually use all of it to fund bloganthropy, which I know we'll talk about later in the uh, in the show.
2: Great, and that's perfect segue to the break. We are going to talk about bloganthropy when we come back. So stick around. More purse strings
1: in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to: shopping. <laughs> purse strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers.
3: If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com.
0: Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 2011 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to www.iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is January 28, 2011. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized Certificate of Achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry today into the Web Marketing Association's 2011 IAC Awards. Go to www.iacaward.org now. CEO Coach Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel. Only on webmaster radio.fm.
1: Her strings is back with the inside track on today's woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. Joining
2: me today is Debbie Brooks-Staber, the mind behind Mamanista and another site, Bloganthropy. And we spent quite a bit of time talking about Mamanista at the top of the show, Debbie. But you have another site, Bloganthropy.com, and it's very different focus. Talk a little bit about that.
4: Bloganthropy actually is something that uh, I've been pondering for a long time because charity was a part of why we started Mamanista. From the very beginning, I always um, donated, you know, all of my my percentage of the the profits from Mamanista to charity. I Serve on a lot of different charity boards. I'm I'm a member of my local school board an elected member. And uh, my friend Candice and I started Bloganthropy after I went to blog her in Chicago back in 2009. Um, a lot of the controversy after Blog Her was that they called it swag her because the companies were had finally discovered the blogger was an audience they wanted to market to, and they were throwing swag and throwing products at it. And there were actually a couple kind of ugly incidents at it where you could see that there were people for whom the focus of their blogs was about getting the most swag and kind of elbowing babies to get into a party to get get you know <laughs> gift bags. <laughs> and, and that's not really the experience of the bloggers that, that I know. Most bloggers actually really do, they, they got into it for a cause um, that they care about, you know, whether it's, it's kind of becoming a better writer or because they have a child with epilepsy or or, or something else. Um, so we really wanted to focus on what we consider the, the, the positive side of blogging and to highlight the people who use their blogs to do good in the world. And uh, at the same time, where we get a lot of companies that are looking to reach out to bloggers and you know, how can you reach out to bloggers and be more effective about that? And in some cases, um, corporate giving or social responsibility is the hook that you would need to get bloggers to write about your product. Um, and why not make sure that, that you know, you can use that social media influence for good and to funnel the money where it should be in terms of helping uh, nonprofits, in terms of raising awareness about important causes.
2: Well, and you just recently named the winners of your very first Bloganthropy Awards as well. Congratulations, A, on the awards and B, on the folks that you recognize. Share, us, share a little bit, if you would, about, about the winners. We were so excited to do this because we
4: wanted to point out to the world and get some attention for those bloggers um, that really are, are kind of overlooked. A lot of people, Mamani said, because it's, you know, it's so uh, friendly and it writes about products and we get a lot of attention, and we get a lot of attention from people in the corporate world. But some of the bloggers that we recognize are, are those that have toiled in year, for years. And because they are writing about an issue rather than about a product, they're, they're kind of uh, – they're, they're overlooked. So we asked uh, people to nominate themselves or to nominate um, those that they knew, people who have used social media for good. And our first winner was Catherine Stone, who it, it blogs at Postpartum Progress. She's been doing this for, I think, close to seven years, she was the first ever person to write about postpartum depression and um, a lot of the mood disorders that impact women after giving birth. And this was long before Brooke Shields had her famous book or anything like that. And Catherine is now, you know, gets hundreds of thousands of visitors a month, and she's one of the best resources for women on this, this issue kind of anywhere in the world and has done this unpaid for years. So she was a wonderful person to recognize, and she was our first winner. Our finalists were, were just as spectacular, um, one of them, Christine Bright, Uh, behind Cora's story, her daughter actually passed away at five days old of an undiagnosed congenital heart defect, and while most of us would have been kind of a puddle on the floor and uh, not known how to deal, uh, Christine, who just celebrated the one-year anniversary of her daughter's uh, birth, in that time uh, kind of immediately used social media to reach out to tens of thousands of people and to let them know about tests that you could get in order to detect these congenital heart defects before your child goes home and can maybe die. And she has received emails from women telling her that because of Christine and her story and how she got this out about Cora's story, that they diagnosed their um, their child and were able to save their children's lives. So here's somebody who in, in less than a year has saved numerous um, numerous babies, um, and that's just an amazing thing, just a wonderful example of how to use social media to do something um, inspirational and, and truly life-saving. We also had Maggie from Violence on Silence, which is one of the first communities out there, for women who are survivors of um, assault or domestic violence, to talk about that experiences, uh, And she has created a, a tremendous community out there that has just helped thousands and thousands of women. We had uh, Megan from Velveteen Mine, and she was actually one of the people behind Tide Loads of Hope, which is a wonderful program for Katrina survivors um, and other people in disaster-prone areas. And Megan herself was a Katrina survivor. And then we had the team behind Passports with Purpose, where they actually... Every year, this group of travel bloggers gets together and raises money for charity, and they're building schools and entire villages um, in countries that they've visited, like Cambodia and India. Uh, so it's a, another example of how to use your social media influence, not just to benefit yourself, but to benefit your community
2: and even the world as a whole. Amazing. Amazing women. were you just humbled? I mean, I, I hear was. I mean, you meet them these and women, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm amazed by them.
4: And and that's the thing, and and they're, you know, they're inspirational, but these are people who started off, and, uh, you know, when Christine first started writing, she was not a well-known blogger. She just, uh, you know, it was something she was passionate about, and the community noticed that, and they supported her. So there are new blogs coming along every day that are raising awareness of certain, you know, charities that they want to do or, um, you know, Research that's important for certain diseases or, you know, a lot out there kind of for the autism community and the special needs community. And these women have a voice and people are starting to care about them. We're also trying to get the the companies to care about them. And that's part of the purpose of the award, to get them some free publicity um, and PR that they couldn't get otherwise and then also to provide an actual monetary award to the winner so she can continue her efforts. Um, Catherine Stone from Postpartum Progress has done this for years without any sponsor and has paid everything out of her pocket, her hosting fees, everything. So to get even a small check that's a recognition from the corporate world, you know, you're doing something wonderful out here and we support you, is I think a powerful thing.
2: Oh, it is powerful, and congratulations to you for creating those awards and for you know anointing those really fabulous bloggers, those fabulous women uh, with the awards. That's, that's a very exciting, and I'm looking forward to year two. Now, you'll um, you, do you always do this in conjunction with the show, or do you do it do it separately?
4: Um, well, you know, we basically last year blogger was in New York, and I happen to live in the Philadelphia area, so it was just. So um, it was it was easy for me to, to be able to to try to get you know that, that award center sponsored there. We will probably do it every year in conjunction with some show, whether it's it's the um, blog her or the Type A Mom conference or BlissDom, DOM, um, one of the, the you know the strong social media conferences uh, for women. Um, so this year, it looks like it, it will probably be at the Type A Mom conference, which will be in Asheville, and we'll have another awards dinner and more recognition. But we're also trying to expand what we do on a monthly basis to recognize people um, by providing, you know, monetary awards, some free publicity for people that have kind of been highlighted as the blogger of the month, um, and even having some other sponsors come in to say, "Hey, let's, you know, we, I'd like to love to give, you know, a flower arrangement to these these winners um, to highlight that." So we're trying to get a lot of that. Um, built up on the site as well. It's a little bit tough because this is not our full time job, and um, you know, we we do try to fund most of it um, out of our out of our own pockets. So it, it is uh, is completely nonprofit. Nobody's ever going to make money off of BlogAnthropy, and that's not the goal.
2: Yeah, and that's absolutely not the goal. You're right. Well, congratulations on that success, and I look forward to hearing more um, in June at the Type A conference and seeing who the big winners are there. Um, you know, before we wrap up, I do want you to take a look at the big picture, if you would. And, you know, here on Purse Strings, we're really talking to people who want to market to women. And by doing that, oftentimes they're looking to partner with bloggers. Based on your own experience and the experience of others in that community, how can marketers improve that partnership with you?
4: Um, I sometimes tell marketers that it's about the, the kind of the quality and not the quantity. So uh, sometimes I think on the PR side we're, we're tasked to get as many placements as possible, and not to care about you know what's the level of that endorsement. Um, but I've, I've found through a lot of the clients I work for that if you get you know them on the top 20 sites um, or even the top 20 sites for that particular demographic or niche, that you can move more in actual sales than if you get um, a mention that's very casual and not very personal on a hundred sites. So. You know, select the bloggers carefully, actually read the blogs before you pitch them, and then send a detailed uh, detailed pitch that lets them kind of get what what is the, the story that you 're trying to convey here. Um, you know why does this product improve somebody 's life um, or, or or why is it the best in its category and uh, make sure that there actually is something quality for that that blogger to write about there um, and I think that that 's a lot more powerful when you have that that truly personal um, review that that 's actually is, not, is more than just kind of taking a sentence from your press release and putting up the photo from your current website. Um, if you actually have something that you can really use as a testimonial, that's more powerful. I sometimes have companies use reviews that we've written on Mom and it becomes you know, one of the key things in their press kit, or when they're actually showing the buyers in the department stores, they can say, here's what real, real moms and real women think about this product. Um, and from an SEO perspective in your natural search results, Sometimes top bloggers' reviews will rank their, you know, up there in your top five natural search results um, on your on your page for that product, which can be a very compelling thing. I've I've had reviews for vacuum cleaners and other high end products where it's it's you know it's within the, the first page on Google, so that can truly impact you know how somebody um, will make a decision to purchase that product.
2: Well, I think all of that is really really smart advice, and I think that you know as we look at um, trying to partner better with bloggers, some of us do it very well, some of us do it not very well at all, and those of us who don't do it very well at all, I think kind of put a bad name on that partnership. As you look ahead a few years, maybe just a year, maybe 12, 18 months out, where do you think blogging's going to go? What do you think is going to be the most critical thing for marketers to understand? Well I think a lot
4: of the people who entered it purely for monetization, you know when it was really trendy you know a year or two ago are going to be gone in twelve months because you know they don't really have the passion for blogging. It's not something that they care about. Um, I think that you're going to see continuing. Uh, I, I, I start to see a lot more bloggers. that are becoming, what I would say, celebrity bloggers in their niches. Uh, a friend of mine um, blogs at MartyKnowsParties.com, and she also blogs at My Recipes. And, you know, she's continuously approached by, by food companies and entertaining companies to be a spokesperson. And I think you'll start seeing a rise of more people like that, that they're kind of at the top in their field and, and people want to work with them. Um, you know, I also think that the bloggers are uh, – becoming more savvy about how they work with companies. So a lot of the free giveaways for kind of uh, low-end products, I think you're going to start seeing that, that a lot of bloggers will just not run those anymore, um, or at least certainly not the top ones, where it's kind of a, a longer, more involved relationship with the, the company um, and one in which there's, they're more of a, an ambassador for that product. Um, I work with several toy companies, and uh, we're actually helping them do their, their blogger outreach. And those those toy companies will have people where, you know, maybe there's a core group of 30 bloggers that always write about it when there's a new product. And they really get the product line and they're a perfect match for the demographic. And they convey why that's something that should be purchased. And it's it's better to do that than to have 200 people writing something that doesn't really get the brand or sometimes has statements that, that harm a brand. If it's a luxury brand and they say things like, I could never afford this, or I would never purchase this for my own child, but I'm so glad that they sent to me for free. That's not really the coverage that you want as as a luxury company out
2: there. Great, 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 great. Debbie, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're doing great work out there. Not only with Mama Nista, but most certainly with Blog Anthropy. And certainly look forward to, to continuing to see great things out of you in 2011. Thanks so much for being on the program. Oh, thanks for having me. And thanks to George for another great show. Join us next week for another edition of Purse Strings right here, Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one.